0: Well hello everyone. Uh I am Johnny. I am currently studying at Morlands. and uh before I go any further, I just really want to quickly put a note into this. I just really want to thank all of you who've supported me uh while I'm doing this degree. Uh it really does mean a lot and a, a lot of you will know who you are. Uh those of you who have just been asking how it's going, uh those of you who have supported me through prayer, through finance and through uh any other means. Uh I just really want to thank you for that. It really is appreciated uh, and really doesn't go unnoticed. Uh so thank you for that. When praying over what uh, I read really, uh, well. What I thought God wanted me to speak on today, um, God came to me and, and, and I think said, uh, I, "Johnny, I want you just to make a really big deal out of who Jesus is." And you might think that's a bit odd because actually, isn't that what we do when we come to church every Sunday? We make a big deal out of who Jesus is. Uh, and yet, I think we'll never be able to do it enough. And I think throughout our week uh, weekly process, uh, we don't do it well. Uh, we certainly don't do it well enough. For example, whenever someone comes up to me and say, "Hey, Johnny, you're a Christian." It's never followed by what do you think about Jesus? It's very rarely followed by what do you think about Jesus, which is odd when you think about it. Because if Jesus is supposed to be the forefront of what Christianity is, if he's supposed to be the very centre of our whole faith, why isn't it that people ask us about Jesus? Instead, they come up and say, Hey Johnny, you're a Christian. What do you think about homosexuality? They come up and say, Hey Johnny, you're you're a Christian. What, What do you think about women bishops? You're a Christian, you're not actually a Christian who believes in hell, right? That's what my friend got. And I'm not doubting these are really important issues, and my aim today isn't to dodge these issues, and my, my, certainly it's not to say that these issues aren't important. I really, really do believe we should get stuck into the Bible, we should pray for a spirit-led opinion on these things. Absolutely. But my issue is, and it's, it's become a real uh, issue with me, is that actually why is it that as Christians we're not really known for Jesus anymore? In the news in our conversations. And it's, it's really uh, started to wind me up because actually surely that should be the first thing that we should be onto. That should be the first thing we do uh, with, with, with the whole of the Christian faith. We should be uh, getting this whole Jesus thing right. We should, be, we should be looking to understand that more than anything else. I've had loads and loads of conversations about homosexuality in the, the last couple of years. Loads. But none of them are that amazing. The conversations I have about Jesus, they're amazing. Not because they're with me, but because they're with Jesus. They're about Jesus. It's amazing because of that. Uh, and, and this morning, I want to share with you a few stories about when I've been able to um, share with people stories of Jesus uh, and what, what things that Jesus has done, because that's amazing, and that gets me fired up, and I'm hoping that will get you fired up as well. But a quick analogy uh, on this point. Uh, I'm in my summer holidays at the moment, and so I've been trying to get uh, some productive stuff done as well. So I've learned to drive, which is quite cool. I'm very happy with myself. Um, when learning to drive, the closest time I ever came to failing was because I was in so much hysterics. Because I asked my, it was a bit stupid. I asked my driving examiner, "When you've ever examined someone, what's been the funniest moment you've ever had in a car?" Of which um, he said, uh, "There was one guy. And if you're here, by the way, I don't know who this person is. And so if you're here, I'm really sorry, but this is hilarious." Um, just keep quiet, and I'll apologize to you at the end. Uh, but <laughs> this guy, he was in a car, and they have these show-me-tell-me questions. For those of you who drive, uh, you, you'll probably know what these are. Uh, for those who are learning, you'll certainly know what, who, uh, what they are. And for those who don't know, show-me-tell-me questions. At the very beginning of the test, they ask you a couple of questions about the car. Um, quite simple, quite logical. Uh, yeah, relatively straightforward. And for this first guy, uh, this guy got in the car, and he said, can you just um, show me uh, how you know the brake lights are working? And the answer to this, for those of you who don't know, uh, is you press down on the brake pedal, and you ask your examiner to go around the car and check the brake lights are working. Relatively straightforward. However, this guy put his right foot on the brake pedal, opens the door, and tries to run round as quickly as possible <laughs> to see if you can see if the brake light's working. At this point, I was by... <laughs> just keep on the road, keep on the road. I've got to pass this, I've got to pass this. <laughs> of which it gets better, because this driving examiner was like biting his lip as well, thinking, I can't laugh at this guy. This guy's already failed his test, and he hasn't even started the munition. This guy comes back and says, I'm really sorry, I've been a bit silly, haven't I? And the examiner just looks at him and goes, you yeah, have a little bit. The guy then gets in the car, puts his left foot on the brake pedal, puts his right foot out of the car so we can have a head start. It's <laughs> <laughs> However ridiculous that sounds, actually, we so often uh, can uh, can fail on the first hurdle. We're really good at the rest of it. We're really good at all the, the itsy bitsy bits when it when it comes to the wider circles of Christianity. We can talk uh, endlessly about other issues really well, important issues. But when it comes to talking about Jesus, actually, we can we, we can struggle with that, right? Which is ridiculous, because Jesus is amazing. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so I just want to turn to Luke 15. Now, there are loads of great passages, as you can imagine in the Bible, uh, that show how amazing Jesus is. Uh, in fact, I would probably say from before his birth to after his death, it's all stories about how amazing Jesus is. Uh, and, but I want to turn to Luke 15, simply because if I was there at this time, listening as perhaps one of his disciples, um, I probably wouldn't get it. I probably wouldn't understand it, but I think there's one bit that he says uh, that, that if he said it as one of his disciples, I'd probably stop, and it would completely uh, revolutionize how great I think Jesus is. And now I want to do this. I, I won't read it out again for you, uh, and so I'm going to almost um, paraphrase it a little bit. I'm aware that it's a paraphrase. I'm aware that it's not exactly how the Bible's written, uh, and they're not directly ordained or something, but... Um, <laughs> but I really want to do this because I don't think it takes away from the main point. And this is what it would be like if I was there. So there are the tax collectors uh, sitting with Jesus. Now, this is quite a big deal within itself, if you think about it. These tax collectors are people who are scum, people who don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be around. Even the Jewish people, uh, of whom Jesus was, didn't like these guys. These guys were lower than low, and Jesus was sitting with them. That's pretty amazing within itself. I'll let you sort of dwell on that. Then the religious people, the kids with Bible college degrees, they come up and they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what are you doing with these scum? What are you doing with these guys? You don't belong with them. And Jesus says, let me tell you a few stories. And so I imagine uh, three groups of people at this point, uh, as well as Jesus. There are the tax collectors, there are the Pharisees and the religious people who are going to get really confused, and there are the disciples who are going to get really, really confused. And in the, the Gospels, there are loads of little examples that I love where the disciples are really competitive over who loves Jesus the most. And I imagine at this point, I could be totally wrong, uh, so don't take this as gospel, um, literally. Uh, but, but I imagine the disciples are probably being a little bit competitive at the moment and thinking... I'm gonna understand the parable before you do. And so, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus starts off. He goes, I want you to imagine there's a shepherd. I want you to imagine there's a shepherd. And the shepherd has a hundred sheep, and he loses one of his sheep. Doesn't the shepherd go after and find that one sheep, and then have a massive party afterwards? And I can imagine the disciples being like, got you. No, Jesus! Why the heck would Jesus, uh, why the heck would this shepherd go over and find one sheep when he's got 99 more? That's utterly illogical. What's to stop another sheep from escaping? What's to, to stop the other 99 escaping or getting stolen? It's completely illogical, completely irrational. It's completely stupid, Jesus. Why would the shepherd go out and find one stupid sheep who skipped over the fence, uh, and, uh to, and, and leave the other 99? It's completely ridiculous, Jesus. And then Jesus, I can imagine, it's uh, been like, look, guys, you really don't get this. Um, you're supposed to be on my side. Uh, imagine there's a woman, and she's got ten coins, and one of the coins disappears, and she spends a whole day looking for that coin, and then she, she has a massive party afterwards. Wouldn't she do that? And a little bit quieter, because they've already looked a bit of an idiot, being like, what the heck is Jesus on about? What is he on? What? <laughs> one coin, and he's got nine more. She's got nine more. Why, why would the woman do that? That's absolutely ridiculous. It's completely illogical, isn't it? Why doesn't she work for that day? Why doesn't she look after the other nine coins? If I had ten coins and I lost a coin, I probably wouldn't spend a whole day looking for one coin. It's completely irrational, completely illogical. I can imagine uh, then Jesus being like, guys, you really, really don't get this. Imagine there's a, a father with two sons. And one of the sons uh, comes up to the father and says, Father, you're knocking on a bit. Can I have my half of my inheritance now before you die? Think about how disrespectful that is. It would be a little bit like me going up to my dad and saying, Dad, you're knocking on a bit. <laughs> he says, I've got a point. I know you're not dead yet, but can I have your baritone saxophone now? He sh- <laughs> He's shaking his head for two reasons. Partly it's going to my sister, uh, and partly it's just it's just not on. It's utterly ridiculous. Don't worry, if there's a fire, we'll know about it before it comes through there. Um, in seriousness, that's not a fire alarm, that's good. Uh, it, it's comp- it, it, it was completely disrespectful, completely ridiculous. And yet the father, uh, uh, upset, gives his son half of his inheritance and the the son goes uh, and squanders it on prostitution, partying, drinking uh, until he has nothing left at all, until he's eating with the pigs. He has squandered his inheritance, he has nothing and at this point, I imagine the disciples going, being like, "Surely the father isn't going to come out looking for the son. Isn't that just ridiculous? He has taken everything uh, that he does not deserve yet, and 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 squandered it. Surely the father isn't going to go out." And Jesus says, uh, "And so the son, the son decides to get up and is rehearsing in his head what he's going to say. He's going to rehearse in his head. And as he sees, uh, as he as he's walking towards uh, back home, he sees on the horizon his father. And the disciples, in their heads, I must there you know, must be." Jesus what are you doing this is completely irrational this is completely stupid why would the father go out looking for his he's got another son at home surely there's some daddy problems going on with that son as well if the other one's nicked half of his stuff surely he should be going out and building a relationship for that that's absolutely ridiculous and yet Jesus goes on to say the father comes up gives him a ring gives him a robe and throws a big party for him how stupid is that it's utterly ridiculous it's irrational it doesn't work in my head it, it doesn't match up and yet it's totally amazing and this is the point where I think, if I was to hazard a guess, I might get it. Jesus says, as the, um, the son, uh, comes up, he says to his father, Father, forgive me, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. And I can imagine, again, the disciples being like, whoa, Barnabas, where have we heard that before? That, that language, that, that, that rings a bell. Hey, you know when Jesus was teaching us to pray, what did he tell us to, to call God? Wasn't it Father? And he talked about forgiving sins. And hang on, Jesus, I'm not the shepherd. Hang on, Jesus, I'm not. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not the woman. I'm not the. father. Fa- you're the. You're the Father. You, why would you come out looking for me? It's completely irrational. It's completely illogical. I was on a boat coming back from France uh, the, the other day. Um, from from holiday, it was a lovely holiday, and I was looking over the boat, um, and there was a guy called Steve, and he looked over and uh, he goes, oh, aren't those seagulls amazing? Of which in my head I laughed, because I was like, ha Steve's a gull. Um, but it wasn't that funny. Uh, but, uh, but I was like, yeah, the seagulls are quite amazing, keeping up with the boat and the rest of it, and just sort of hovering there. Um, and so we were talking a little bit, and he goes, what do you do? And uh, I said, uh, oh, I'm a Bible college student. And he goes, you're a Christian? And I said, yeah. And I know he probably meant it as a compliment somehow. And you're probably thinking, how on earth is that a compliment? And me too at the time, I was thinking, how on earth is that a compliment? But he said, I think it's really good when people have a bit of unrationality in their lives. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Of which, when I got off the boat and started to think about it, actually, he's spot on. Isn't it completely irrational that God loves you? no offense it's the same with me isn't it irrational that god loves me and yet isn't it totally amazing isn't it amazing that that as the lost sheep it would be totally irrational for, for the shepherd to come and find me and yet he does and yet why the heck do we get caught up speaking about other stuff around christianity that ultimately we should be talking about jesus first we may have never have spoken to these people about jesus but we may have spoken to them about a hundred other things that actually although are very important aren't anything in comparison to them knowing jesus I want to tell you another uh, couple of stories uh, just of uh, when I've been able to share Jesus, just because they're amazing. Uh, they're the best conversations I've ever had in my life. Uh, and uh, I've never ha- ever had a conversation where people have gone away and said, oh, that conversation with about homosexuality with Johnny Abbott was absolutely fantastic. That conversation about abortion and euthanasia with Johnny Abbott was absolutely amazing. I must tell my friends. I've had a few uh, recently where where people have said, you know, that, that I've really enjoyed that conversation about Jesus, or along those words. Uh one a little bit further back, uh I was um I was going to Leicester to see my friend get baptized, um, which was a really great weekend, uh and uh, I was walking down, it was a really early train, it was about five in the morning, and I I can remember praying to Jesus. I can remember doing it, but it was it was quite half hired, I've got to admit, and I said, Jesus, like, if you want me to meet anybody today, just make it happen. Um, just make it happen. Uh didn't really think about it. Got to Christchurch station, uh, near to where I live. Um, and uh, I saw my friend from from college there, uh, and uh, it was it was one of those sort of mutual moments I think where both of us thought it's half five in the morning I don't want to talk to anybody at the moment, <laughs> like, but it was one of those sort of English moments where you've got to be like I'm going to sit with you and talk to you and be polite, and so we sort of sat and talked, um, and I was like oh so where are you heading? Well, you know he goes oh I'm going um, back home uh, my relatives just died, uh, and and I can remember thinking oh. I just said, I'm really sorry. Uh, and he was a really nice guy, a really funny guy. He just goes, oh, it's right. It's not your fault. Um, of which, for me, was quite a relief. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we spoke a little bit. It was probably for about 30 seconds a minute. It wasn't very long, just about what you say when people die, because it's it's quite a difficult thing to, to sort of conversation to have. Didn't really think about much of it. Got to London. Went through London on the tubes. Got off uh, a tube at London and really, I had, there were two trains to Leicester at this point. There was one that went in six minutes, one that went in 15. I had a lot of luggage. I probably wasn't going to make the six-minute one. But I really felt inside, and, and Christians, you might understand this, non-Christians, you won't understand this probably as much, but, but I really pray that one day you will. Uh, I really felt the spirit inside me just saying, Johnny, you've got to run for that train. You've got to make sure you get onto that first train. And so I was like, I'm going to look like an idiot. And so I ran through this station that I had no idea. I think I went backwards and forwards through this one thing twice. And I saw this woman being like, he's an idiot. Um, and so, I was running through this this um, this station. Eventually, got to this train. It was one minute late, and I literally just snuck off with the skin of my teeth. And I was walking through this train, uh, and uh, and there was this woman sitting at the table. And the same sort of spirit voice just goes, "You want to sit in front of her?" Uh, so I sat at this table with her. And as I sat down, in a word of a lie, I was, I, was, I was sitting there. And she goes, "You're a Christian." I said, yeah, I am. And she goes, my mom's has just died. I really need you to pray for me. I tell you what, Jesus is amazing, right? And so we prayed, and we saw all these people looking over at us, being like, <sighs> weird, right? But seriously, it was, it was incredible. Isn't it amazing that Jesus does stuff like that? Incredible. So I was really pumped up over the weekend. It was a really good weekend. And on the way back, it was quite a late train. Um, I had one of these where I was like, Jesus, let's do this again. That was really fun. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll run through London this time. It's all right, I've got this. I've got this covered. <laughs> Don't pray one of those prayers unless you really mean it. Um, so I got onto this train. It was quite a packed-out train. There were two spaces available, one next to this sleeping man and one next to this girl with headphones in. I thought, I'll go with the conscious one. That's always a good start. Um, quick tip for evangelism. Go with the conscious ones. Uh, there's no point preaching in a graveyard. And so... Um, Sat next to this woman with headphones in thinking, okay, God, like, you've got to do a miracle now because I'm not breaking up her music. Um, and so we're sort of sitting there. And then this ticket officer comes up behind me and says, uh, oh, tickets please or whatever. And the guy behind me didn't have a ticket, uh, couldn't pay for the ticket. And things were getting a little bit heated. And I was like, oh no, here we go. And, uh, on the other side of the train, just a couple of rows back maybe, I heard this guy say, um, oh, that's right, I'll, I'll pay for it. And I thought, oh, what a good guy. Good on him. Um, And then all of a sudden, the ticket officer looks at me and goes, Sorry? And then it clicked. Hang on, he thought I said that. And so in my head, I thought, Oh, no. And this ticket officer says, No. Of which in my head, I went, Yes. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Um, Of which the train officer looks at me again and says, Are you sure? And I thought, Nope. I thought, how much is this going to cost? What am I going to do? And so I just went, yeah, go for it. And so paid for this ticket. Instantly, I looked on my bank account records. Ungrateful me. I don't think the money actually went through. I couldn't find this money going through at all. But uh, at the time, it was just like, oh, here we go. I'm not sure how much, you know, this is oh, great. Really ungrateful, really uh, whatever. Gave my ticket in, train officer passed. And during this time, this girl had taken her earphones out, looked at me and said, why did you do that? The honest answer at this point would have been, I really didn't want to. The answer I gave, uh, probably in this sort of desperation, was something along the lines of, "I'm a Christian, and this stuff happens now." <laughs> like it was <laughs> just really odd. Tell you what, for the next hour and a half, again, no word of a lie, we spoke about the whole of the gospel. It was incredible. This Hindu girl, we spoke about the whole of the gospel. We talked about prayer, and at the end, she asked for prayer. How awesome is that? Um, it was, it was, it was amazing. Afterwards, I stood up, just like, God, this is awesome. <laughs> This other woman stands up who was on, on the other side of the carriage, just stands up and just goes, Hey, I was just listening to what you two were saying. I thought it was amazing. Hey, if we were talking about anything else, she probably wouldn't have said that was amazing. Hey, tell you what, when we talk about Jesus, amazing stuff happens, right? So why do we do it more often? Why aren't we known as the people that talk about Jesus more? Why, why are we known as the, the people who are ending up on the news for, for this demonstration and that? Tell you what, if, if I was ever to, to join a Christian demonstration, it would be, Hey, guys, do you want to know Jesus? The demonstration. <laughs> That would be the first one I sign up to. If there ever was one. Hey, I'm really aware. I'm not sure how much time I've got left. I'm going to carry on speaking until someone walks out. Um, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm aware. Some people come up to me, and, and I wasn't actually going to put this in, but, but I really felt God was saying, look, you need to you need to say this. Because some people every now and again come up to me and say, but Johnny, you love speaking. You'll, you'll talk about rubbish until the cows come home. Um, and that's true. Uh, but they say, "Look, I love Jesus. I, I love, uh, I love what He's done for me. I've got that. Um, but, but I don't like speaking to anyone about anything, or, or I don't really like bringing up um, issues that they might find sensitive to, to anyone. Uh, what, what is it that, what, what, you know, what is it? You know, is that, is that an issue? Um, I want to really bring up a, a passage, uh, a, a little story. It's without a doubt." the silliest story in the Bible you will ever hear. It's absolutely ridiculous. If you've been a Christian a long while, I really want to ask you to try and step out of the Bible a little bit and just take it as a story, because it's absolutely absurd. It's from Exodus. bit of context. Exodus, there's these Israelite people who are under slavery of the Egyptians. They've been under slavery for a really long time, fed up of it, treated really badly, been a big genocide. And, uh, and Moses is wandering in the desert. Moses is this Israelite guy. Incidentally, there's a film coming out called Exodus, and Christian Bale plays Moses. So if you want to imagine it, imagine Christian Bale as Moses. It's perfectly fine. Um, Moses is wandering through the desert, uh, and he sees a bush that's burning, but not really burning. It's silly, isn't it? There's a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. Um, and so uh, Moses walks up to this bush, and then the voice comes out of the bush and says, Moses, take off your sandals. It's really silly. Uh, and so Moses takes off his sandals. He thinks, there's a bush talking to me. I better do what it says. Uh, so he takes off his sandals, and then the bush says, don't come any closer, Moses. And Moses probably thinks, it's all right. I can do that. That's something I can definitely do. Not come closer to the talking bush. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely weird. And then the bush says, I'm God. Uh, and I want you to go to Pharaoh and ask him to let my people go. It's a little bit like uh, me saying, uh, God come, came to speak to me and said uh, to go to David Cameron and ask him to change one of his legislations. It's not going to happen. And Moses probably uh, said the same thing, same sort of thing that I would say. I'm really not your guy for that. That's really not for me. I, I'm really rubbish at speaking. I'm not the guy that, that, that you want to be doing this. This isn't for me. This, this really isn't what you want me to do, God. This, this isn't me. Then God does this. Now this is the weirdest bit of the whole weirdest passage in the whole weird Bible. Um, God says to Moses, get your staff uh, and put it on the ground. So Moses gets his staff and puts it on the ground, and it turns into a snake. It's just getting weird of the moment. And then God says, now pick up your staff. And now if this was me, I'd probably say, but Lord, there is no staff. That is a snake. <laughs> Moses is a better man than I am. He goes down and picks up the snake and it turns back into a staff. Hold on for a minute because that one passage for me is probably one of the most profound and revolutionary when it comes to me sharing my faith now. It's completely revolutionized how uh, I've been able to share my faith. Think about the staff for a second. What is the staff? Many of you are thinking it's a staff. It's true. But what does the staff represent? The staff is an object of Moses' trade as a shepherd. It's a little bit like a doctor with his stethoscope, his heart-hearing thingy. It's a little bit like a fireman in his hat or a police in his uniform. It's an object that symbolizes what that person does. And what does that symbolize? It symbolizes three things. I've made them all into eyes, so it's really easy. I'm officially a Baptist. <laughs> he says, So the first, the, the, the first thing I think this symbolizes is his uh, identity. First thing it symbolises. If you, if you imagine a stethoscope, you might look at uh, someone with a stethoscope and think, they are a doctor, therefore they are caring. They are a doctor, therefore they are clever. They are a doctor, therefore um, they are smart, they are hardworking. You might look at a fireman and think, they are uh, a firefighter because they've got a fireman's hat on, therefore they are brave. Therefore they uh, are uh, uh, f- uh, f- strong, fit. Um, You might look at a teacher and think, therefore, they are caring, therefore, they are a good teacher. It's a symbol of that person's identity and who they are. They might look at Moses as a shepherd and think, you have a staff, therefore, you're a shepherd, therefore, you're probably not the brightest one in the book. You probably aren't worth much. You are no one special. Second thing it it symbolizes, his income. If you have a little teacher's badge uh, with Suffolk County Council on it in the school that you work at, someone could probably, within a boundary, work out your income for the year. They would probably be able to work out how much time or little time you have off. It represents an income. Someone might look at Moses and his staff and might think, uh, okay, so you probably haven't got much because you are a shepherd. It symbolizes his income. What else does it symbolize? It symbolizes uh, his uh, influence. Everybody has influence. And you're, everyone is influenced by something or someone. For uh, a, um, a barrister, it might be they, uh, they influence the court. Uh, for a police, it will be influencing the public. For a doctor, it will be influencing the patients. For a teacher, it will be influencing children. For a shepherd, it will be influencing sheep. So we have someone that, that has a stick that, inf- that shows that he's not much of anybody. He's not really a somebody at all. He hasn't got much, he's not really going anywhere, and he hasn't got much authority over anybody but sheep. And yet, what happens when he lays it down in front of the burning bush? It comes alive. Really interesting story. Not story, thing. Really interesting thing. When Moses picks up the snake and turns back into a staff, very rarely is it then known as the staff of Moses very rarely is it known as the staff of Moses which it was before depending on your translation it'll it will be known as one of one of two i think either the staff of the lord or my personal favorite the rod of god <laughs> I don't want a stupid shepherd staff. I want a rod of God. Now, many of you will be thinking, Johnny, I haven't got much to bring. I haven't actually got much. Uh, I, I only do this. I only do that. I only have this. I only have this influence. Tell you what, Moses had barely anything, but he laid it in front of the Lord. It came alive, and look what he did. He brought a whole people group out of Egypt. He brought them through the desert, through a big sea. I've never lived with anyone through a sea, and he's only got a stick. Uh, he, he does that, he gets through these loads of disobedient people that he he works through and leads he builds a whole temple uh, for the god with all these cool engravings and stuff that's really difficult to read through the leviticus uh, and then he um eventually he dies and the people that he led eventually reach into the promised land that god gave them it's a bit of a spoiler alert but read it anyway it's fantastic tell you what when we lay stuff down it revolutionizes how we share our faith it revolutionizes it And for you, it might be uh, one of those three things. It might be all three. It might be two of the three. For me, it's less of an income issue and less of uh, an influence issue. Much more so, it's an identity issue. For much me, I'm a massive people pleaser. That's something I really struggle with. I, I really struggle with uh, with constantly trying to think, how am I going to please people? Which is ironic because those of you who know me you think you're rubbish at that, Johnny. Uh, and yeah, and yeah, um, and yeah. It's something I, I really struggle with because it's something that I, I really do. Instead of pleasing God, a lot of the time I think I really want to just please these people. Um, over the holiday, um, or less over the holiday before the holiday, I found this little lump on my leg. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's called a lymphoma or a lymphoma. I think doctors. Effectively, it's a little bit of fatty tissue on your leg. I went to the doctors and they said you've got a bit of fat on your leg. I said I've gone to the doctors and effectively you've told me I've got fat legs. This is great. Um, real self-esteem booster. Thank you. Um, it didn't really bother me much. I thought it was quite cool. I've got something on my leg. Um, I made the mistake of telling my sister. Now my sister's really good at being a world-class. Bully. <laughs> She's really funny. She does it in fantastic ways, I have to admit. But she is a world-class bully. To the extent that my nickname for the whole 10-day holiday in France was Boobleg. <laughs> it was funny for the first bit of the car Actually, that's light. It wasn't funny at all. But by the end of the holiday, it really wound me up. I didn't know why it wound me up. It wasn't really a personal thing. It wasn't a personal dig. Um, whenever music came on the, the car, people would say, Can we have Michael Boobleg? But by the end of the holiday, it really, really wound me up. And and I don't know why why am I telling you this. Partly it's funny and I'm not really sure. Secondly, I know that if I can lay down my personal issues in front of God and not care, actually it revolutionizes how I can share my faith with people. I know that if I can get over myself with my own identity issues, it revolutionizes. And for you, it might be uh, an income thing. It might be, actually, I've got time that I can do things with. It might be, uh, I have money of which I can uh, do this thing so, so I can people can share more about Jesus. It might be uh, an influence thing. You might be a manager of which you have employees that need to hear about Jesus. You might have a teacher who needs to have a different style of teaching because actually you want to um, be the best example of Jesus in your job. I have a friend who was a teacher, uh, and, and she had to leave teaching uh, because the particular school that she in was asking her to do things that were far too unfair to do. Fake results. Do this, do that. No, I'm not doing that. That's not right. That's not Jesus. It's never easy, but it's always worth it, i tell you that. And it's always amazing. I've never had a conversation with anybody uh, that, that said, hey, I've had a really amazing conversation uh, with you about women bishops. Really important issue. I'm not dodging the issues. We need uh, to, to, to take up the Bible, really be spirit-led on these things. Absolutely, I agree. I'll be the first to agree with that. But actually, don't do it until you've got Jesus right. I think I'm almost coming to an end. Quick quick thing, though, just while it's, it's been in my head, um, just sort of while I've been talking. Um, notice when Jesus is with the tax collectors and the parables, and the religious people come over and stamp out the tax collector's fire. It's like, why is he with you? Non-Christians here, um, it's, it's genuinely it's a real pleasure for you to be here this morning, and I genuinely mean that uh, more than anybody else. If I could choose anybody to be here this morning, it would be you. Um, but, but if and when, hopefully when, uh, and I pray when, you meet Jesus, it will be the best thing ever. And if it's not the best thing ever, you haven't met Jesus yet, I promise you it's the best thing ever. But I also unfortunately promise you there might be people who come up uh, like the religious people and stamp out your fire. You'll say, hey guys, I found Jesus. Yeah, well, you've got to now do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this. Okay, maybe later there's a discipleship issue if those things aren't happening. But tell you what, first thing is, religious people here celebrate with them that they found Jesus. And I say that as a chief stamper. I'm really good at stamping on people. Uh, but I'm really good at pointing out issues. and really good at saying, this isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right. They should be doing this, they should be doing this. Um, there's a guy called Gav Calver. Um, who I think he, I think he heads up yFC now um, he was preaching at an event, uh, and these two young people, uh, two young girls came up to him uh, one of them says i f in love Jesus." The other girl <laughs> looks at him and goes i f in love Jesus as well." You know what gav calva did he said i f in love Jesus as well." <laughs> Tell you what, if they're still swearing like that, maybe in six months or a year or or longer, there's a discipleship issue there that needs to be dealt with. Um, But before that, tell you what, before you start stamping on anyone's fire, start thinking, hey, tell you what, they found Jesus. Isn't that amazing? My aim today was just to make a big deal out of Jesus, because without Jesus, there's no deal at all. That's my aim this morning. If you go out of those doors not thinking that Jesus isn't a big deal, I failed for you this morning, and I'm really sorry about that. But I really, 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 really pray that that this morning, you might just be really fired up uh, to go and tell people about Jesus. Another really quick story, just because it's in my head. Um, I was having my haircut a while ago, as you can tell. Um, probably probably last month. I was there, and when there's scissors close to your neck, it's actually quite a hard thing to do. Um, it's it's even harder than talking to someone on a boat because you're thinking one of us might actually end up in the sea here. Uh but 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 I was sitting there and this woman was talking about um, how she'd recently had uh, a a leg problem and not being able to walk very well. Uh tell you what. It was actually quite frightening, but um, afterwards, when praying, I said, hey, look, I'm a Christian. It would be really selfish if I didn't pray for you, because when I pray, stuff happens. Can I pray for you? You would be shocked at how many times you say that, and people actually go, you know what? That would be really appreciated. You'd be shocked. And I fail as well. I fail all the time. Um, another train ride. Man, tell you what, train rides are awesome. Uh, I was on a, a train to London uh, a few weeks ago uh, and there was this woman and this this daughter who who came and sat in front of me uh, and and god was saying i want you to speak to these people and i was like i'm not sure what it was I, I still can't put my finger on it um it might have even been god but i just couldn't i was like god what is it like why can't i talk to these people why i'm not tired like what is it i can't why can't i do this like why you know why can't i do it uh, and then eventually after about half an hour into the journey this woman no wonder goes Oh, I'm not sure if I've told my dad this either. Oh, I hope that saxophonist is at Keswick again this year. Of which I thought, they've hired another saxophonist at Keswick. <laughs> I didn't think that. I said, you never, believe, you never believe this. My dad's the saxophonist, I'm afraid he's at week one this year. I felt God saying, you know what? There was, these are the easiest people you could have ever shared Jesus about in the whole train, and you wussed out, you muppet. Tell you what, there'll be times where you wuss out, but tell you what, when you leave stuff at, at the Lord's feet, it revolutionises how you can how you can share your faith. It was awesome. Um, turns out she knows loads of people from here. Uh, turns out that her children go with the youth pastor, uh, his children to school. We had a great conversation about Jesus. Um, I'm going to pray in a minute, uh, and and the band's going to come up and and, and play, but. Uh, before they play, I, 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 I think yeah, I think we 'll we'll just have a, a moment of silence, and just to reflect because i 'm having a feeling there 'll there'll be, there'll be people who are challenged by different things, uh, and I'm, the Moses thing I think might have been just because I think God really asked me to say, "Look, I really want you to say this," might actually be quite profound for some of you. Uh, and, and for some of you, you, you might be picked up on one of those three things, the income, the influence or the identity uh, in terms of what you need to lay down uh, and for some of you, it might just be hey, I need to share, share, share Jesus with more people uh, and so uh, we're going to pray, uh, I'll pray and just as we have a, a few moments, if that is you while people are eyes, eyes are, uh, people's eyes are closed uh, if if then uh, and I'll say when, just so you can raise your hand just so I can pray for you, uh, I won't mention names uh, but just so I know who I'm praying for, that would be really good um, guys, let's pray, shall we?